I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. All right. Today, we have got a certified badass on today. We have Siri Lindley from Colorado. She's a former professional triathlete and coach. She's an author. She has been a speaker uh, on stage at Tony Robbins events, and that's a big deal in, in itself. She's an animal rights activist, and she is a cancer survivor. Uh, Siri has done it all, and, I'm, uh, and she's also an author, written some books. Siri, welcome. It's, it's such an honor to have you. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I've been looking forward to this, um, and it was great to have you on my podcast. So thanks for having me here. Oh, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Um, so tell me about your, your horse operation. Do you, um, when I lived in, when I lived in Atlanta, there was, there was a, a horse operation that I was pretty familiar with that, um, help children uh, with, with, with certain issues and whatnot. Is that what you do? We do. And here's the thing, you know, I have only had horses for five years, but I rescued a horse and this horse, Savannah, you can see her over my shoulder. Oh, wow. Changed my life in a matter of months. And at one point I thought, you know, what did I have to rescue her from? Like, like, why did I need to rescue a horse? And I got online and I found this video and it was the most horrific, horrible thing I had ever seen in my entire life about the process of horses, three day truck trip, no food, no water. A lot of them die along the way, busted eyeballs, broken legs. But the worst part, and close your ears if you can't, if you can't listen to this, but is they are shot once, but they're not killed. So they are dismembered alive. And it is like, what? It, they are shot. So horses throw their heads around. Why the hell would they do that? Exactly. So, well, worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life for six, seven minutes, they're suffering and dying. And they're, you know, the other horse knows they're next. I saw this video, Jeff, and I, I'm not being dramatic, but I fell to the ground and was like wailing. To the wow. point, my my wife ran up the stairs thinking, like, did somebody die? Like, what happened? I pointed to the screen, and she watched this. And we looked at each other, and without saying a word, we knew, like, our lives were never going to be the same again. Now, did we have time to devote our lives to saving horses? And ultimately, we're very close to banning this practice altogether. No. You know, I have a full-time coaching job. I'm speaking around the world. My wife had two jobs as well, but it was one of those things, you know, this horse had changed me. So since then, that was um, four years ago, we've saved 190 horses from slaughter. And the thing is that the majority of them go on to heal humans. 
Like, yeah. so it's come full circle. So even if you're not a horse lover out, whoever is listening here, the healing powers of these animals is beyond comprehension. And people with, you know, veterans with PTSD, kids with disabilities, autistic children, people with severe anxiety, people dealing with grief. And one of the things that I experienced when I got diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, I had like less than 5% chance of surviving. And that's a story in itself. I was not willing to live that story. Um, but I'll never forget, I came home from the hospital and I wanted to ride my horse and she's a beast. Like she is yeah. like big and strong. And, and my wife said, you are not like you're, I was 25 pounds lighter than I am. In the, in the picture, it looks like one of the Budweiser Clydesdales <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I know. So Beck's freaking out. And I said, I'm going to ride my horse. And I got on her and I was so weak. And the grass was like a foot high. She could have very easily reached down for the grass. She took these tiny little steps. And throughout my recovery, like she was guiding me on where I was health-wise because they are mirrors for us. They show us, you know, what we're thinking, how we're feeling, what our intentions are. So it was after that that I decided we need to bring this to our community. Yes. And every weekend we have these events. Some of them are for children. Some of them for are, are for people diagnosed with cancer. Some are for veterans with PTSD. And the results that we are getting is just, it's miraculous. I cry every Saturday. I cry in witnessing these therapists do their work. So um, we're called Believe Ranch and Rescue. Um, we also created a nonprofit, Horses in Our Hands, that is a 501c4 and we're lobbying in Washington DC and we are closer than any big animal group has been in 20 years to banning this practice altogether. Good for you, good for we're you. We're pretty excited. Two, two girls yeah. and everybody laughed at and said, you're not gonna be able to do that. And it's like, you don't know who we are. We are both world champions and we will not give up. So pretty exciting. Long you, answer, sorry, Jeff. No, that's cool. Do, do you watch Yellowstone at all? Yes, I love that show. I, I loved love it. it. Uh, I, I, I didn't like the scene. But you remember when Rip had to put the horse down, he yeah. says, I would rather kill a thousand men than shoot you. Uh, and, and, and he, you could tell he absolutely meant it. Yes. Um, I had, <clears throat> I had a, uh, uh, Dr. Don Wood on, uh, a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't know if you know him or not. Uh, really, really great guys in Orlando and, he was talking about one of the reasons why animals and he was, he wasn't talking about horses, but he was talking about dogs, but, but he said the, the reason why uh, a lot of people really felt the energy from these animals is because unlike you and I, and, and, and uh, you know, every other person walking the earth, the animal is 100% present, a hundred percent of the time, a hundred percent present. Yes. And Jeff, and, that's exactly right. That, that, that's exactly right. Cause, because he'll, he'll talk about, uh, a zebra 
won't won't be afraid of of a lion unless it sees a lion. That's exactly in the present moment. Yes. But once the lion is gone, then he doesn't remember the lion. He's just remembering the present moment of what he's or, or thinking about the present moment of what he's doing. And Somehow. do you, do you think do you think that you you know that that is 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 what really helps uh, these people? Totally. So think yeah. about this. Think about someone with severe anxiety. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is you're either sitting in, you know, the pain of the past and you're worrying about it happening again in the future. So you're either in the past or you're in the future and therefore you're suffering. So the single most powerful thing to relieve anxiety is to just be in the present moment. And horses, I mean, they're big. Yeah. Now they're prey animals, so they're more afraid of you than you are of them. But in order to create a relationship with a horse, they demand you being 1 million percent present. Present. And so you spend two hours with a horse, that's two hours of full presence, and you leave thinking, God, why do I feel so good? So yeah. absolutely, that is one of the key things. And when you're present, you can really connect with who you are and your truth of who you are. And that is so incredibly important to move forward. And people are less present than ever now. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I mean, how many, how many times do you go into a restaurant and see a family of five or six and they're all doing yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. It breaks yeah. my heart, actually. Yeah, it it's it's horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. And I'm guilty of it. I've done it too. But I, I really, I really try not to, but, but it, it, it's horrible, but it, it's so difficult for people just to be present, present in the moment. Definitely. Um, so I encourage everyone, if you haven't been around horses, even if you're not an animal lover, just go to an event like one of mine or wherever in your, where you live, just to experience that centeredness and that groundedness that comes from you being fully present for those two or three hours. It's just brilliant. And the world needs more of this. So I feel oh, yeah. like the work that we're doing is coming at the perfect time because the more awareness we raise about what these animals can do, the more we can move away from how things are now. Well, you said something that I actually spoke about yesterday. And, and that is, you know, there's never the perfect time to start anything, is there? Never. Never. Because it's, it's always, a, a, it could be a time issue, a money issue, a fear issue, circumstances, whatever. And if you're waiting for that perfect time to come, it ain't ever coming. Nope. It, it, it never is. And so, you'll miss out. Yeah, you'll, you'll absolutely miss out. And so... And a lot of times, like, you know, I'm a cancer survivor also. Oh. And, and <laughs> when, when I thought I was going to die, I, I mean, I really did. I thought I was going to die. I'm like, oh shit, there's a lot of stuff I want to do. Yes. And I, um, I actually spent, um, it, it's embarrassing to say, but I spent close to $400,000 knocking off my bucket list, traveling to every country I wanted to see. Amazing. Yep. 
you know, went to, I went to South Africa and lived in a tent for three weeks and, and, and saw the animals. And, and the only place I didn't go was Antarctica. I, I, I just went all over, went all over the the world. But, you know, when you, when you, when you get that mindset of, you know, that mortality of, of, you know, there may not be a tomorrow for me, then all this other stuff that the world's telling you, none of that shit really matters anymore. You just focus and go do your own thing. Did you, did you find yourself being the same way? Totally. I mean, mortality motivation, right? You suddenly realize, and my advice to everyone listening, don't wait for a diagnosis to start living your life fully present to all the magic, you know? And, and now problems that, that I used to think were problems, nothing's a problem. The only problem could possibly be dying. So don't wait for that kind of an experience to realize the importance of being present in every single moment of your life and recognizing that that every moment, that every breath is this miracle, that every breath is a gift. And it absolutely is. So I don't know about you, Jeff, but people ask and I say, you know, I wouldn't change a thing about what I went through. And it was the worst two years of my life. I've never suffered as much as I did, but I wouldn't change a thing because now every single moment of my life, I live on purpose. And if something is not on purpose for me, I say no. If it's something that's on purpose, I say yes. And I am fully present in almost every single moment. And that came from the gift of that diagnosis. So I'm here to say, don't wait to figure that out on your own. Trust what Jeff and I are saying. Yeah, because I, I think I really believe that you have to, the best way to get through problems is, is really be grateful for them. Absolutely. It is to be grateful for them because yes. every problem I've ever had, I had something better at the other end. I came out stronger. I came out smarter. I, I came out in, in, in a better circumstance than I did before I had the problem. And, and lots of times, you know, people say, well, you know, I, I just lost my job. Why should I be grateful for that? Because you don't know what's going to, what's going to be around the bend. You don't know what's, what's going to happen next. And there are teachable moments in every problem that you have, if you look for them, and if you look for them, you're going to find them because they're always there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a matter of just being the champion of your own life and saying, why, why would I want to make this losing my job, something that destroys me, like love yourself enough to reframe it into something that empowers you reframe it in a way that gives you energy and hope and excitement for the future like that's up to you and so for me in those instances it's like you can sit here and give it this disempowering meaning and suffer and have it ruin your life or you can decide that i get to go first in deciding what this is going to mean to me and even when i got diagnosed i was like okay you know what I'm going through now is preparing me for what I asked for. And what I asked for is to be able to touch as many lives as I can in the most beautiful ways. And so maybe who I become through this is going to allow me to do that on a greater scale. But like, 
Isn't that an act of self-love, Jeff? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It, it's, it's, you know, if, if you don't love yourself, you know, really nobody else is, it, you know, the same thing is, you know, I teach sales training yeah. and people, people get frustrated because people aren't, aren't buying from them. And the first thing that I'll say to them is why would they, why would you ever expect people to have confidence in you? when you have no confidence in yourself, you have, you have none, you have none whatsoever. And, and, and it, and it's the old adage of, you know, you get it, you're getting on the airplane. They tell you, you put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. You know, you know, and there's a reason why. And I learned this when I was in Africa, they were talking about why the, the lion eats first because he has to be healthy. If he doesn't eat first, then he's no good to his, if he's weak, then he's no good as a protector to anyone else. He has to take care of himself first. That gives me goosebumps because that's what horses do. You know, yeah. like there's always one that eats first, gets all the good stuff because not because they're greedy or selfish. Mm -hmm. They know that they're the strongest one. And if there should be a threat, they're going to be responsible for exactly fighting right. it off. So I don't know why that gave me goosebumps, but it's so incredibly important for people to understand that, that it all starts with you. What was amazing though, we were, we were in, in a Jeep, we were driving back to the camp. My wife sees these red eyeballs running and the ranger puts a, it was in the dark. The, the, he puts the spotlight over and these two lionesses attacked this big gazelle. Oh my God. And we drove over to it and we were like eight feet away. Oh my God. I couldn't have watched that. And, and, but it was really amazing how they did it. Um, one was like, had uh, one lioness had, her mouth over the gazelle's nose, basically suffocating it. And the other one was eating from the other end. And, but, but there was no, you would think the gazelle would be flopping around suffering. It wasn't. So it, they actually did it in a quick way. They so did. That's amazing. There that, was no suffering. As horrible as that is, there's actually something beautiful in that. They, I actually videoed the entire thing. They, they ate, they ate the entire animal in 22 minutes, just, but it was it. a quick death, but it, it was, it, it was, it was, it was so quick, but, but you know, it, that's it, what every child of God or whatever deserves to have. Yeah. And, and this is thus with horses, like this long, torturous suffering four yeah. day thing, like even nobody should experience that. So thank you for sharing that story. And that's the kind of thing that every living being should get. Yeah. So, so tell me, uh, how exciting is it to speak on a Tony Robbins stage? That's gotta, oh that's God. got, that's gotta be awesome. Well, he has been my greatest mentor since I was 20. He didn't know that, but, um, he had been. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually just had no desire to be a keynote speaker ever. Like I never, I had never spoken in front of a crowd before. I had one time when I got into the, uh, triathlon hall of fame. I spoke in front of a crowd, but what happened is, um, 
long story short, I've coached a lot of world champion athletes and they mm-hmm. contacted me and I thought, oh, they want to, you know, one of my world champion athletes on the podcast. So I was sending them all their addresses and they said, no, we want you. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, me. Okay. So I got on, it was such a thrill because I got to thank him and told him what an influence he's been on me. And apparently this podcast ended up being his number one downloaded podcast ever. No kidding. Three million downloads, little old me, I'm thinking, but people loved it. And so there was an event where one of his speakers couldn't speak for some reason. And he said, hey, Siri, could you do it? It's 2,000 people. It's this leadership academy. And I'd never spoken before, but you don't say no to Tony Robbins. So I'm like, yes, of course I will. A 90-minute slot. 2,000 people, and I'll never forget standing backstage, and I am shaking like a leaf, and my heart is pounding, and everything that I had prepared for like two weeks for this talk, I got out there, didn't say a word of it. I just spoke from my heart. I just shared. I thought to myself, I just want to be a gift to these people. I want to be a blessing. I want Tony to, to, to be so happy that he asked me because I delivered a gift. And I guess it went amazingly well. And so now I do all of his Unleash the Power Within events, Date with Destiny, um, other kind of big virtual events. And it's just such a gift and such a blessing. But it wasn't like, it wasn't in my plans. But I realize now that this obviously is something I'm just meant to be doing. So I got to ask you this, though, on your first speech. Do you even remember what you said? No, nothing. Oh, I absolutely—I I, I didn't think you would. And I'm sure you—you've had that experience. <laughs> I have. I got off, and and uh, you know, obviously, I could tell that people loved it because they were standing and clapping, and you know, like. But I was like, I don't even remember anything until I watched the video back. It's like actually, it it reminds. It's like just recently I finished writing my second book. And this is real, a really powerful book for me. It's a little bit of like a self-help inspirational book. But I wrote it. And as I go back and I'm reading the chapters, I'm like, I don't even remember writing this. <laughs> and, you know, and I've done so, the same thing. Yes. And I feel like that is. It's just this incredible thing that. All I can do is appreciate and be in awe of and say thank you. You know, if I had some support here, thank you so much. But again, I think it comes down to the intention of wanting to give a gift, wanting to make a difference somehow. And I know I have that in me, but sometimes, you know, you just can't put words to things like trying to write that speech. I couldn't write anything down. I was a mess. But it just comes down to trust and faith in you. I, so. I got to share something with you that I did that's funny, and it was really mean. Uh, mean? <laughs> very mean. I had a, a I, I was at a conference in London. There was probably probably three thousand people there. One of my best friends had just taken uh, the president's job of this company. He had never spoken to with any of them before. They had the owners there. I've known this guy a long time. He's a great speaker. He was so nervous. And so he and I were sitting at the table and they were getting ready to introduce him. And I, you know, and I I shook his hand and I said, Hey, you know, you're like a brother to me and I love you and you're going to do great. But 
when you get up there? He says, yeah. I said, try not to fuck up. <laughs> God. Oh my God. Did he just start shaking? And he's like, what the hell? Of course he got up there and did a great job. And, and that was probably 15 years ago. He's never let me forget it. Amazing. <laughs> but what I think was so brilliant there is it probably broke his state, you know, like changed. it, it did and got him. And I actually did this. I actually did kind of the same thing uh, with someone else. He was so nervous. He was giving, he was going to be giving this uh, presentation to this board of directors and the board of directors. He was, you know, no normal board of directors. Everybody in the room was a three or four star general. Oh my God. It was like the history channel in there. Me and this guy, we sat in the hotel room all night long and he was just practicing and practicing and practicing. And so we get on the elevator. We're about to go into the boardroom. I wasn't going to speak. He, you know, he it was, they, they wanted to hear him. And I said, you remember that movie Caddyshack? Yeah. I said, well, this is like Caddyshack. I said, you miss this putt and we lose. Remind me not to have you talk to me before I go on stage. He gives me this, what the hell? I said, you're going to be fine. Go in there and do it. So he did. He did a great job. He did a great job. But he was so he was so focused on being. But both of these guys were so focused on being nervous and whatnot that it was just kind of kind of my way of of disrupting them and like, what? Yeah. And then go do your thing. And they both did a great job. So smart. So smart. (laughs) Because the worst thing any speaker can do is be obsessed with their own performance. You're not. It's going to be horrible. Like, it's not about you. It's not about me when I go talk. It's not about me. So I love that. And And everybody's their own worst critic. They really are. Always. Yes, always. But it was just um, such a blessing because, I mean, Tony Robbins, in my opinion, you know, so much of who I am today is thanks to his guidance. He didn't even know he was giving, but through his works, through his books and you know, putting that into practice in my own life. And so to really, to have this opportunity now to have been speaking for him for four years now, um, it's just the ultimate privilege because I want to be able to pay it forward, to, to yeah. take everything that I've learned and who I've become and pay it forward so other people can change their lives as well. But like you and I said before, it all starts with you. You get to go first in deciding what story yeah. in life you want to live. And I'm glad you brought that up that you had never met him before, because I was speaking with someone not long ago and we were talking about mentors and I'm very lucky. I I have three mentors that, um, that, you know, all walks of life. They're all very successful. Um, and some, and the guy said to me, well, not everybody can have access to a four-star general or, or all this stuff. I said, you know, actually you can. I said, all you have to do, it's easier than ever to get a mentor is, is find someone you admire, you know, follow them, you know, listen to their podcasts, read their books, you know, attend their stuff. They could be such an influence on your life and they'll they'll never even know you're even in the world. That's right. But yeah. And, and you don't have to know them in person. You don't have to know them. Yes. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to know them. 
So not getting a mentor, that, that there's no excuse for that. Absolutely, Absolutely none, because they're there. You, all, all you have to do is consume their content. Someone that, that, that resonates with you, then, then that's who you follow. Everyone, that is like the best advice. And it's so, so true. There are no excuses. You don't have to. None. Do I didn't know Tony until five years ago or whatever it was. But he, I told him, you have been my greatest mentor. Studying, modeling, like learning from them, like using them as an example of, of the kind of presence you want to have in the world. Exactly. So, boom, Jeff, that is just like the best advice. Everyone listen to that because you know, start now, find your mentor now. Yeah. And, and there's, and, and now is the best time because like, like, like I said, if you're waiting for the best time for, to start something, it's never, never coming. Mm -hmm. It's never coming. There, there's always going to be something come up always. Yeah. You just have to power through it. And, 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 and even when you were, when you were actively an athlete, there were plenty of days you would have had a thousand excuses not to get up and go train, I would imagine. Oh, my God. I mean, that, how hard, you know, I didn't know how to swim when I started racing triathlon, but I fell in love with this sport. And I was at a time in my life where triathlon was going to represent uh, the vehicle through which I found a love for myself and a respect for myself, a worthiness from within. So I had a very deep emotional reason why I had to take this goal on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the key too, because there were many days I'm training six to eight hours a day, uh, like stiff as a board from all the work I'd been doing. If I didn't have that deep reason why I was doing it, it would have been a lot easier to say, oh, I'm just going to take a few days off. So I think when you start anything, um, especially a physical endeavor like that, you have to figure out why this matters to you. Yeah. Because that's going to be the glue that um, keeps you connected to, you know, of course I'm going to get up and do it. doesn't matter how I feel. I have to get yeah. it done because I want to take one step further today. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was hard. And especially my last two years of training, um, I was going way beyond anything I thought I was capable of. And that was the brilliance in it. I had this coach, Brett Sutton, um, day one, uh, I arrive in Switzerland and I arrived in the middle of the night. And I'm sure there are a lot of people here that say, oh, I can't work any harder than I do. I can't do any more than I'm doing now. I mean, no. we hear that all the time. And this first day we lived 20 miles up top in the Swiss Alps and we were meant to ride our bikes down to do our swim session 20 miles down the mountain no worries we're going downhill I swim two hours harder than I've ever swum in my entire life because I'm the worst athlete in the squad like literally just getting my butt kicked to oblivion but do you have to pedal back up the mountain so I'm out there waiting wow. for the van I'm out there asking my training partner you know where's Brett where's the van and she laughed in my face no you got you ride back up so first of all that climb is harder than anything i've ever climbed in my life i dragged my butt up that mountain took me a couple hours i'm making my lunch and there's a knock on the door time to go run and i'm thinking what like i I've, this is more than i do in a week almost we get in the car 
He drives us to the bottom of the mountain, 20 miles down to the bottom, tells us to get out of the car and says, see you at home. 20 mile run to the top of this mountain. I cried every single step of the way. The thing is that every single day was like that. Yeah. Different, you know, looks differently, but six to eight hours a day of things that I had never done before. And after two weeks, like I couldn't move my arms and legs. And I went to him and I said, hey, Brett, I can't do what you're asking me to do today. I can't even bend my arms. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, find a way. And all I could do was do the best that I could with what I had every day and try and find a way. And it was brilliant. His yeah. philosophy, his like, it didn't make any sense at all, but it was brilliant because every single day he was giving me something that seemed impossible. But every single day I proved to myself that what seems impossible is really possible because we all, you, me, everyone listening, you are so much more powerful than you could ever imagine. And how can you ever know what you're truly capable of if you're not trying to do things that you don't think you can every single day, yeah. right? That's yeah, only I, you know, honestly, I think what I think the not even being an athlete or uh, or doing any any superhuman stuff, I think if people would just make an unbreakable promise to themselves yes. to not let themselves down. Yes. I mean, if, if you're in sales and, and you know that it's going to take you 20 people a day, you, yeah. you, you, that is a non-negotiable. You, if you don't call those 20 people, you're letting yourself down. And every time you let yourself down, a little of your self-esteem just gets chipped away. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and you didn't let yourself down. No, I think no. that the commitment to yourself, the promises you make to yourself are so much more important. People are going to hate me for this maybe than the promises you make to others. Oh, because absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I know that sounds, but truly, like you must first know that you can count on yourself to deliver on the promises you make yourself. And like you said, that's self-esteem, that builds confidence, that builds self-respect. And from there, then everything else that you promise to other people, not only are you delivering, but you're delivering at a level way higher than it would have been otherwise. And if someone, if you see someone who, who is keeping their word to themselves, they don't have to tell you it shows. Yes. <laughs> yes. It absolutely shows. Yes. It absolutely shows because they, they don't let themselves down. They, you know, they, which I think, you know, for me is why, you know, rituals for me are so important. Yes. You know, it's the unbreakable things that I do every morning that, that, that I don't break that for anyone. They're totally non-negotiable. The things that I do, because uh, one time I, I, I skipped something because I was busy for, for, or, or had a plane to catch. And I, I felt awful because I had let myself down yeah. and I'm, it, it, it was, most people would say, well, it's no big deal, but breaking that promise to myself was an enormous deal. Yeah. 
It feels awful. Yeah. It, it does it, feel it awful. It affects your energy for the rest of the day. And it really granted, does. You know, there are times when if you're sick or something like, but still you can do these things. Like my typical daily habits are waking up. I do a gratitude practice, you know, where I think about three things I'm grateful for, not only in my life, but three things about me I'm grateful for. Yeah. And I work out. I mean, those are my two non-negotiables. And even when I got sick and I was in hospital day after my bone marrow transplant, I am so sick and so weak, but I could still wake up, think about three things I was grateful for, and I could walk from the bed to the couch and the couch to the chair and the chair to the bed. That to me was following through with the things that I know give me confidence, give me energy, give me strength. So there really are no excuses. You can do these things, but be true to you. Because like you said, I mean, it sets up, sets you up for the entire day as far as your mindset, your energy. Oh, it really does. I used to be in the habit of, of cause you know, I'm in an all commission business. I'm in, I own an insurance company. Yeah. The first thing I would do is grab my phone. Well, as soon as I woke up, I'd be walking to the bathroom with my phone, looking at my bank statement. <laughs> and sometimes we don't have a good day. And that just totally, what, what, if, if I had a really lousy payday that day, that set the tone for the entire day. I had to stop. I had to stop. I'm, I'm up now probably four hours before I even pick my phone up. That's great. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Because you and, want to start your day in an abundance mindset. And so how do you do that? You think about, you know, what's good in your life. What are you mm -hmm. grateful for? you know, doing something that fills you up so that you're not thinking about everything that's missing and all the problems and this. I love that, Jeff. You beat me on that. I'd say maybe 45 minutes and then I check my phone. So you got me on that. With yeah, but you're, you're better than most. You're better than most. Yeah. Most people, you know, they, they wake up with it. Yeah. And, the, you know, the other thing too, um, and, and, and I think you would agree with me on this, is that you, a lot of people will listen to the little bitch up here, as I like to call it. Joe Rogan calls it that the little bitch yeah. up here. Yeah. When in reality, I have never, ever, ever. And I've been in a lot of life and death situations more than, than I should have been in. Mm. I have never, ever experienced anything that was as bad as this was telling me it was going to be. That's right. Never, not once. Have I ever, have I ever experienced? So going into life with that knowledge, knowing that no, there's really nothing that is going to be as bad mm -hmm. as what this is telling you, uh, really helps you along. Have, have you experienced anything that's, that was ever worse than you thought it was going to be anything? No, no, no. no. And I think it's so important when, you know, the little bitch or whatever you call it. Up yeah. There, <laughs> I think it is so important that everybody knows that that is not you. No. Like, these are thoughts. This is like, you know, who knows? Sometimes that, that critical voice is your teacher when you were in first grade or your parents when you were five. Like, we have to understand that that is not you. 
Because the minute you disconnect from that voice and you realize it's not you, it's just your thoughts, then you're more in control. And again, it's that act of self-love. Like, how do you want to live your day? Do you want to live your day torturing yourself with worst case scenario, even worse than worse could be? Oh, yeah. Or do you want to, you know, kind of in those moments of challenge, stack your proof, build your confidence. Like, remember the times where you had this huge challenge that seemed insurmountable, but you overcame it. You know, like stack your proof of those times rather than stacking the doubts that come from the little bitch up here. Yeah. One, one thing that I had, one thing that I did, and I actually learned this from Dr. Wood, it was that he said, you know, you know, picture, you know, you know, think of a moment when you were just in nature and you were like a million percent present in something. And the thing that I thought about was I was fishing up in Canada, a very remote area of Northern Ontario. And there was this bald Eagle flying around and like, I'd moved the boat, the Eagle would come Well, he was looking for something to eat. So I caught a fish, whacked the fish, you know, in the head, threw him out in the water. And I've got the greatest picture of this, the eagle comes down and I actually was lucky enough. This is not skill, just pure luck with the, the talons of the eagle grabbing the fish and taking off. And, and, and you, if that doesn't make you present, nothing does. Amazing. And so, and so like when, whenever I started feeling any kind of anxiety or anxiety or anything like that, I just go back and I think of that picture. Mm-hmm. Of, of when I was present and it takes me right back. It, it's, it sounds crazy, but it works. Yeah, It absolutely can, works. Absolutely. And even if you don't have a picture of it, it's just closing your eyes. Mm-hmm. I always, my hand on my heart just seems to really connect me, but close your eyes and take yourself there. Like see what you saw, like hear what you heard, feel what you felt, you know, who was there like like and take yourself there in your mind is so so powerful so yes uh, it's so so powerful jeff yeah 10 years ago i wouldn't believe in any of this stuff but it's so true it's so true 10 years ago that's bullshit but no it's not and it doesn't require money it doesn't require going somewhere being somewhere having some form of equipment it is all just connecting, tapping into what is already inside of each and every one of us and intentionally deciding to go there to feel a certain way. Yeah. And, and, and it's really good to do that because the more present you are, the less anxious you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, and if you really want to drill down to the science of that, when you're anxious about things, you have all kinds of crazy chemicals in your body that's producing that doesn't need to be, which is creating a lot of these health problems that people have. Yeah, that's right. And, and, um, you know, when the answer is, is right behind you is, you know, live like that horse or, or live like a dog, be a hundred percent present, hundred percent of the time. <laughs> that is the most valuable and important lesson. And I truly believe that in that total presence, like you're not anxious, like the anxiety disappears in that total presence. And 
it's the answer. It's the answer in everything. It's the answer in doing amazing work in whatever your career is. It's the answer to having an extraordinary relationship with your partner. It's the answer to well-being and inner yeah. health. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that's why so many people get divorced these days and whatnot, because they, they just lost the ability to be present. Yeah. And when you're, when you're present with someone, they, they never forget that. Never. And, and, and like the guy I was talking about who in the UK, I told him not to screw up. Yeah. He, he, he has, you know, he has this, this, this great personality. He could walk up to you and, and talk to you and you would think that you knew him all your life wow. when in fact, he's just insanely present. Yeah with whoever he talks to. So it, it, that's really, you know, he doesn't look at his watch, doesn't look at his phone. He, he focuses on you. And uh, it's, it, it's really a gift that he has, but it's a gift that a lot of people could have if they just chose to use it. Yeah. Get yeah. intentional with being present and you will exactly. see your life change in extraordinary ways in, in, my opinion. I've, I've witnessed that in my own life. You've witnessed it in yours. So um, yeah, make the decision. So how annoying was it for you when your name became the name everybody screams at their phone now? So annoying. You know, I used to show up places and people would be like, wow, that's such a beautiful name and how, how unique. And now it's the same joke every single time. And when I'm on podcasts, typically like this, or even sometimes in a speech, people's phones are going off. How can I help you? How can I help you? So yeah. you got hijacked is what happened. I got hijacked. Everybody's saying I should have asked for royalties, but I didn't you know. Should have. I know. Yeah, I, I, actually, I, I don't think I've ever met another Siri that wasn't a phone. Take that. I'll take that. Yeah, as, I never met one. So yeah, you got you got you got hijacked. I mean, I, I'm like God. When, when I read your name for the first time, I, the first thing I thought I said, "God, she, that's got to be annoying as hell." <laughs> <laughs> it was, but I appreciate you for saying I'm the only one outside of that. So that makes me feel. Yeah, only, only only. I, I think no. I, I was thinking Tom Cruise had a daughter, the Surrey. Yes. Yeah, you know, he actually right. lives. He actually lives down the street from me. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, he's crushing it with. Um... He he really is. Yeah. He really is. He. Um, it, it's funny. I I don't know him. <laughs> I, I know I where know I know where he lives. Yeah. Yeah. But what's really funny is one day I'm driving across the uh, the Courtney Campbell Causeways, the big bridge that goes across the Tampa Bay. And I'm in my little Porsche and I see this, this Lamborghini SUV just ripping behind me. And I have the top down in my car and I look at him, look, I, I look at the car and it's Tom Cruise there and he's smiling. And I, I looked at him and I went like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> he, hilarious. He started laughing and he gunned it. Oh, that's and hilarious. I started to chase him and I thought, if they pull us over, they're not going to lock him up, but they're going to put me in jail. So, so, <laughs> so oh, that's, God. that's, that's my Tom Cruise experience. So. Amazing. 
Jeff, so, this has been so much fun. It has it's been. So uh, if people want to get a hold of you, how did they do that? So I am on Instagram at Siri Lindley, um, also on Twitter, also on Facebook at Siri Lindley. And you can also follow Believe Ranch and Rescue or Horses in Our Hands, which are two nonprofits. Also on, on Facebook, Instagram, we're out there, but please um, support us in our mission. We can smell the barn. This bill is coming out of committee soon in the House of Representatives. It's wow. to the Senate. And it's got 84% of Americans want this brutal, horrific practice to end. So it's a bipartisan bill and it's going to happen. So send your so energy, send your do love. You have, do you have links to where people can donate money if they yes, want? Yes, we do, for sure. That's great. Um, That's great. That would be amazing. But even more than that, it's it's calling your local legislator. Like this is a federal bill that we are going to have passed. I believe it with all my soul. Get on board. Talk to your legislators. You know, um, raise your awareness through following us. Horses in our hands is our lobbying nonprofit. Um, and we give very easy instructions on how you can help us get this bill across the line. Hasn't been done in 20 years, but we are so close. But we need you. So know that even, yes, you, one person can make a huge difference. Jeff, thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Follow Siri. Uh, Get on their website if uh, you feel compelled to donate money or call your le your legislator. I am going to do that. Thank you. Uh, uh, I am going to do that. Um, you, you know, please do it because, you know, like I said at the beginning, she's amazing, badass, doing badass things. So are you. And, 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 uh, and, and, and I love her. So, so Siri, thank you so much for thank being you. on. I really appreciate it. I and, love uh, and hopefully we'll chat again soon. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have uh -huh, a good day, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz. S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.